Welcome to another edition of Mormon Land. I'm Dave Noyce, and I oversee our faith coverage. I'm joined again by our senior religion reporter, Peggy Fletcher-Stack. Hello, Peggy. Hi, Dave. If you remember, back in August of 2018, President Russell M. Nelson urged the media to use the faith's full name, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and to stop using the terms Mormon Church or LDS Church. Indeed, to stop using Mormon altogether, even when referring to members. A year later, Public Square magazine, published from the perspective of Latter-day Saints, decided to survey whether various national news outlets, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, the Associated Press, and CNN, had complied and how it affected their coverage. Here to discuss the results of that study is Public Square managing editor, Christopher Cunningham, who wrote a summary of the survey. He joins us today via Zoom from San Antonio. Christopher, welcome. Thank you, David. I sure appreciate you having me on. I love your show. I'm a big admirer of yours and uh, and Peggy. And I appreciate right, giving me a chance to talk to your audience. Sorry. We're glad to have you here. For for first of all, Christopher, did you have any angst about coming on a show called Mormonland? <laughs> I don't have any angst. Literally, when President Nelson made this announcement, I was uh, editing a website called uh, Mormon Hub. Uh, so this was uh, something I had just a year before, even before this announcement, we frequently had people criticizing our name. And so just about a year before that, I had written sort of a long diatribe about uh, defending our use of the word Mormon and, and why we did it and how important it was. And then a year later, uh, really kind of had to rethink that, uh, that question. Interesting. Maybe you should send me a copy of that diatribe. So. <laughs> I will. So, so tell us about Public Square. What is it? How long it's been in business and, and what are its purposes and goals? Well, uh, we are coming up on our uh, one year anniversary. So a very uh, new project. Uh, it's something that uh, me, uh, Jacob Hess and uh, Hal Boyd uh, were uh, thought of uh, originally. We noticed uh, that uh, there didn't seem to be a lot of editorial coverage that was specifically from the point of view of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Regional publications like you and the Deseret News often cover that perspective, but for someone like me that uh, I had the longest I was ever in in Utah was when I was in the MTC, that often it's a little bit different. And so we wanted to do something that could talk about that point of view. And as we were talking about this issue, what we discovered is that we all really feel passionately about the role of the public square in our national dialogue, that we think that these spaces for civic discussion is important and that we've noticed a real decline in these kinds of spaces, uh, a real lack of respect for one another. We're seeing people really uh, take sides uh, tribally a lot more quickly. And we really sort of regretted that trend. And we felt like from our perspective, with our religious values, that we had something to add to, to that, to maybe try and do something a little bit better than what was doing. And so that's how Public Square was born. And it's been a wonderful project. We've uh, had just a ton of people who have been very uh, interested in participating in it. We've had uh, John Tanner, who used to be the president of BYU-Hawaii, write for us. Katrina Lantos-Sweat, former chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, wrote for us. And then just a lot of very thoughtful professors, Stephen Smith at UC San Diego, Valerie Hudson, who you might know. 
at AM, Ralph Hancock there at BYU. Uh, so we've just been really honored by the number of people who seem to also share our passion and our vision and, and kind of flock to us once this project uh, started. So uh, you have a lot of contributors. Uh, how big is the staff itself? Oh, you know, we're a very, we're a very small lean team. We're trying, we're trying to start up a online magazine. I mean, that's something that, uh, that it's difficult to do in any environment. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty lean team right now. The, uh, the staff is uh, me, uh, and, uh, Jacob. And then, uh, and then when we publish anything that says it's from the public square staff, it also is including Lynn Chapman, uh, who is, from the McCune Institute. He's the president there and they're one of our sponsors. And so the three of us are kind of what we usually refer to as the public square staff. So what prompted you to do undertake this, the name study and why did you choose only national news organizations? So we, one of our big questions in sort of talking about the public square is how the public square interacted with our faith. And so we wanted to see if there was any data that we could find on that to start answering that question. And so this was our first attempt to, to kind of see what was going on. In terms of why national outlets, I think that's mostly what interested me. Like I said, kind of part of the Part of my motivation, at least for the Public Square project, was looking at how members of the church are talked about on a larger scale outside of, of just sort of the Intermountain West area. And I, because that, that's going to affect a larger swath of members of the church. Uh, there's more of them, but they're a lot more, you know, dissipated. And so there's often not the same kind of attention about how they're spoken to or spoken about. And so that was kind of the motivation there. And then frankly, Peggy, I mean, it's just, it was just pragmatic. We had to find some way to measure who we were going to do. There's only so many, you know, newspapers that you can uh, analyze at once with the kind of resources that we had. And so we thought that that was probably the best way. And we capped it at 20. And like David's summary said, that really kind of seemed to capture who the big voices are in our national dialogue. And I think we were pretty happy with that group of papers to say, okay, this is kind of how the conversation is sounding at a national level uh, about the church. And, uh, and hopefully that's what we captured. So uh, tell us a little bit about your results that what you found. Sure. Uh, so there were uh, two main things that, uh, that we were looking at in the study. The first one was the issue about the name change. So we started the study a little bit uh, earlier than a year after the announcement and ended uh, a little over a year after the announcement. <laughs> and, and so that, that's kind of one of our big questions. The other one, one was sentiment. So we were looking at, do these articles talk about the church as being uh, deceptive, secretive, repressive, discriminatory, anything like this? And, uh, and then we, we just gathered these. Uh, we used a, uh, a Google Boolean search every day. Um, we would look at these 20 sites, use a search, find all the articles that, uh, that matched on any name of the church. Uh, we had uh, 421 articles in five months from these uh, 20 outlets that referenced the church in some manner. And of that group, 19% uh, of the total articles had some sort of negative sentiment associated with them. And of that total set, 43% uh, of those articles were following the style guide that the church had changed to, had started recommending. Uh, 
so that was the kind of the results of the full study. And then when we looked at those together, what we found was, uh, we thought it was interesting. So if you look at only the articles that followed the style guide, so of that 43%, only 6% of those articles uh, had a negative sentiment. So much fewer than the total uh, data set. But if you looked at articles that didn't follow the recommended style guide, 29% were negative or, or much higher than the full data set. And if we divided it the other way, if we looked at all the negative articles uh, or articles with a negative sentiment, they followed the style guide 86% of the time, whereas articles that weren't negative uh, followed the style guide or, excuse me, didn't follow the style guide 46% of the time. So if you only look at neutral or positive articles, a majority of reporters were starting to use the church's recommended style guide during the period that we studied. Did, do you know, if, did anybody use the, the church's recommended second reference being the Church of Jesus Christ only or the restored Church of Jesus Christ? <laughs> Uh, so uh, what we had in there is we had how the church was referred to uh, and then whether or not they followed the style guide. So what I discovered, and this is not something that our data captured, that was just a yes, no, uh, is that most of the reporters who were following the style guide were oftentimes writing a around that issue. They would uh, refer back to, you know, it or um, or use the name of the church, but then later just say Latter-day Saints was a solution often. And that's kind of similar to what you see journalists do with Jehovah's Witnesses, where they don't really have a convenient way of, you know, the Church of Jehovah's Witnesses. There's not a convenient church name. So after they sort of introduce the church, they'll usually just use Jehovah's Witnesses and kind of write it that way. And so that's what I typically found. But like I said, our data didn't capture that. That's just my instinct from, from having read the articles and, and done the research. <laughs> Uh, Christopher, can I ask you a question? Your research may not have necessarily shown this, of course, because it's just searching the term. But I just wonder what you look. Uh, we noticed that so many news outlets don't spell the church's name properly. In other words, they don't uppercase the very first the, which is a very big issue uh, for, for the church and church leaders. Significantly, the New York Times, for one, does yeah. not do that. And many of them don't. These may just be conscious decisions or just not knowing? Um, have, have you noticed that or what did you notice in that? Well, what I noticed, uh, David, when Peggy brought this attention to me recently is we didn't even do this consistently internally at Public Square. Uh, that this is something that, uh, that as respectful as we try to be in ours, you know, that this was an issue that had passed our own uh, attention. Uh, and so in our, in our survey, to be clear, when I talk about following the style guide, uh, I'm not looking at the punctuation. If they left out the hyphen between latter and day, those are not things we were looking at. Lower casing the D and day, yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. We were just looking at which words were chosen, word choice, uh, mm -hmm. in terms of applying to the style guide. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, I think that that is uh, interesting. And having not been aware of it before the study, I don't know that I had any interesting observations about it while we were looking <laughs> at the research. Yeah, we've had the same issue with our staff at times, but I think we've got them pretty well schooled by now. So, uh, Christopher, what surprised you in the results? What surprised me about the results? I was, uh, I was surprised at how positive the coverage of the church was overall. If I was to just guess what percentage of articles are negative, 
Uh, I would say 60 or 70 percent of articles I read in the newspaper are negative coverage. And so I expected that the coverage of the church would be a number like that. I don't have any data to support that instinct, but that's kind of what I imagined it would be. And yet what we found is that overall, most coverage of the church wasn't sort of falling to these uh, to these negative habits and reporting up. I mean, one in five. Um, I think this is something that Peggy wrote in her article about it, but we weren't trying to say whether or not the negative coverage was fair or accurate. Like, we, like you know, there's certainly things that can be said negatively about the church. And so we weren't trying to say, you know, is this good negative coverage or bad negative coverage? Just is it negative or not? Uh, and so with that kind of kind of stepping out and just saying, hey, is it negative or not? I was expecting a lot higher uh, and it wasn't. And I think that's kind of uh, I think that's kind of a nice, nice result to sort of take a step back. I think our attention is drawn so much to when coverage is, is both negative and unfair that, that at least for me, I feel that, that's, the, uh, that's the media coverage I feel the most is when it's negative and unfair. And that's when it, it gets to me. And so I think I feel like that must be a bigger part of what exists out there than what is actually out there. And then um, the, of the articles that were neutral or positive, more than half were already following the style guide. Uh, this is, uh, so this is about a year after the announcement, but it was only a few months after the Associated Press changed their style guide to fit, you know, largely with what the church had. It's not exact, but, uh, uh, and so I was expecting, you know, I wouldn't have expected an adoption rate that high so, so quickly, uh, but I'm curious, you know, it's now been longer. Has it continued to, or, you know, is it going up or is it, you know, has, now that it's been two years, are people sort of going back into old routines? I don't know. And that's something, of course, you know, our data, it was just a snapshot in time. So I think that's interesting, but we don't, we don't know yet. Although with some of the interest that the study has gotten, thanks in part to what you guys are doing, we've gotten a lot of people coming out to us wanting to do some more. So hopefully we'll have some, you know, maybe in another year, we'll have another set of data that we can kind of see, you know, how is this continuing to, to change and develop? So you just use the term negative and unfair. Uh, how did you decide if a story was negative? Uh, great. Yeah. So unfair, that was, I was describing for me, you know, when I feel a story right. is unfair, that's how it is. So we didn't talk about that in the study at all. Right. Uh, for the study, we did look at negative and what we looked at was uh, whether uh, it described the church in a way as discriminative, deceptive, secretive, repressive or insular. And this is a model that, uh, that comes from the work of Lane Williams, who's a, a media studies uh, professor. And uh, he looked at the uh, media coverage of the church in relationship to Mitt Romney's uh, presidential runs in 2008 and 2012. And so that's the definition that he used. And then what we did is... Uh, a technique that's common in this kind of uh, social science research, where we then created something called a code book, where we took these phrases that we're looking for, and then we literally just went to Merriam-Webster's and we took their definition for these phrases. And then our researchers, as they were going through the article, they would read it. And when there was something that was related to the church in that article, they would then compare it to this and say, you know, does it qualify as one of these uh, as one of these descriptions of the church. And if it did, that was marked as a, as a negative article. We used two researchers on every um, article that we, uh, 
on every article that we looked at. And overwhelmingly, they were marked the same. Because we weren't trying to make a judgment call on whether it was fair or not, it, there ended up not being a lot of controversy on, you know, for example, one of the big stories uh, that happened in our uh, in our study period was about a, a high counselor from Utah who had traveled to Tennessee and he was taking his cell phone and putting, <laughs> David's nodding, he knows the story, taking his cell phone <laughs> and he's putting it over uh, dressing rooms and taking uh, pictures of women, you know, a peeping Tom of voyeur story. Uh, and so this is a pretty negative story. And so usually when uh, media outlets are, are reporting on the story, the sentiment is going to be negative. And, and that's not a, you know, that's not us saying, oh, you should have or shouldn't. It's just, I mean, that's just going to be the nature of that type of story. And so that's how we kind of came to that conclusion about what the sentiment was. We really wanted to come up with an automated way of doing the sentiment. There's some tools uh, like social media tools where they can go in and say, is this a positive or a negative comment? But in trying to design the study, it just looks like those tools aren't advanced enough to be able to to get into a full news article rather than a short social media blurb and be able to come to a reliable yes or no. I'm hoping perhaps if we continue to do this for a few years that we'll be able to move to, to something that's more automated, both for resource reasons, but also because because our group, the group of scholars, we're all Latter-day Saints. And so we're going to have a specific bias as well as we're going into these articles and saying, is this negative or positive? And I think we did a good job trying to remove that bias to the extent that we could. But having an automated tool in the future would certainly help us, you know, remove that to, to an even greater degree. Well, can I ask one more question on that topic? Please. Because it kind of interests me. Um, if, if, if it's just a what generally would be considered a neutral story, um, you know, not positive or negative, but say they quote one person, one source in there who says something that would be construed negative under your, under your measurement, would that be then considered a negative article? Oh, that's a great question. So we actually had a separate column for that. So when I say that an article had a negative sentiment, what we mean is that there's negative editorializing going on, that there's a word choice that the journalists picked themselves to describe the church. Uh, and so we did have a column, did they include negative comments about the church as well uh, as a way to, to look? But it's not something that, uh, that really resulted in, in any interesting thing, and we didn't end up publishing that column. So no, when I say an article had a negative sentiment, that's not including uh, potentially negative quotes about it. It's negative editorializing content. Can I ask you, Christopher, just personally, did you, do you or did you struggle uh, with the change when you're writing a story about uh, not using the word Mormon or say LDS? Did, did, or how do you personally uh, deal with it? How do I personally deal with yeah, it? And, and, and as like might be before the change versus right after or now? Of course. So, uh, so running on the website, uh, Mormon Hub at the time, uh, uh, Tad Walsh, uh, reached out to me to get a quote on how this, this change was affecting people who ran blogs. And, uh, and what I said to him on the record then is I said, you know, uh, a prophet's not worth much that tells you what you already think. Uh, and, uh, and I guess that's how I felt about the change. It, that, it never seemed like a good idea to me. I mean, I had written that thing a year ahead of time describing why I thought leaning into the word Mormon was good for us, was good for the church, that it was something that Latter-day Saints should embrace. And my mind didn't magically change, you know, a year later when this announcement was made. But 
but you know, I, I am. I'm a person of faith. I, I believe in the prophetic mantle of uh, of President Nelson, and so I've. Uh, and of course, I work for magazines that are really Latter Day Saint based. Unlike the two of you that are working on a regional magazine that that doesn't have a is obviously influenced by the faith dominant faith there, but is also not religiously based. And so for me, it was a lot easier to embrace the name change because this is our leader said this is the direction he wants our community to go. Uh, and so I was happy to, to follow that. Now, as Peggy pointed out in one of our emails, we have not been perfect at this. We had, uh, in fact, our most read article was uh, was in response. Uh, so Aaron Miller, who uh, deals with the nonprofits at BYU, he's a professor of nonprofits and does a lot with their finances, uh, published an article in response to the Washington Post reporting last December about the uh, Enzyme Peak Savings Funds. Uh, and this was a very successful article. We ended up getting comments from a lot of the Washington Post reporters who worked on the original article. Um, it was shared by Forbes journalists and like this. So it was a great piece. But in that piece, we had referred to LDS Church. We were trying to, you know, get this article out in such fast time that we, I mean, and this is, well, this is literally a month after we finished gathering the data for the story and we made that mistake ourselves. And so I, I hope that as people are looking at this, this, the work that we've done, no one thinks that we are trying to say, this is what journalists need to be doing. Uh, you know, I'm not in a newsroom. It's not really my role to say, you need to choose this word or you need to choose that word. I think that these are decisions that these newsrooms need to be thinking about. And they are. I mean, I'm sure you guys think about this several times a week, maybe several times a day um, about this issue and this question and trying to balance all the different needs of the reporting. Uh, what we were interested in was kind of seeing how it was going rather than trying to prescribe something. And I think what we find is hopefully helpful. You know, we live in a world right now, David, where there's some in the public discourse who are calling the media um, you know, enemies of the people. Um, and I think, I think that's a real shame. You know, I think, at least in my experience, the overwhelming number of journalists, they're doing good work. They're, they're largely selfless people trying to do this for the public good, that, uh, that they're, they're circumspect and they're introspective. And, uh, and I think we need to respect that but they're also very influential. So I hope there's a space where we can approach them with a lot of respect and curiosity and also say, we're interested in your work and we want to analyze that. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully our work is helpful to them as they're making these decisions in the future that they're able to say, oh, look, this is, a, this is a correlation we weren't aware of. And maybe that helps them make better decisions in the future. At least that's, that's the spirit I hope it's taken in, one of curiosity and helpfulness. Actually, Christopher, you just brought up something that I wanted to ask you about next was, you know, um, for mass media that's not being produced, you know, necessarily, you know, geared toward Latter-day Saints or from an LDS perspective. Sure. Um, they're going to use different terms, of course, uh, sometimes. Of course. Uh, and, and that's, I think, what you found. It, it, it's, it, the obligation being that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not very big on a global scale. You know, it's, it's not even all that big on a national scale. Um, so many people don't know that a person who used to be called conveniently a Mormon is a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's a different bar, right? Yes. 
that's what you're saying. And especially, and, and Peggy brought this up, the second, the second reference kind of terms that the church's style guide recommends, some of those obviously can't be used because there's many churches of Jesus Christ. And, and some of them also kind of necessitate accepting the church's truth claims. Sure. It's the restored gospel of Jesus Christ or whatever. So it's a difficulty. And your, your organization now, you don't have that difficulty probably. Um, because of the nature of our audience, no, we don't have to deal with that. Right. Um, you guys have a lot more factors weighing on you, you know. Right, right. As did, well as these national outlets. Did you see many that were using some of them? I think Peggy may have asked this. That were she, You didn't find that many that were using, like, say, restored gospel. They would just revert to, like, church or it or whatever word. Not church, right? it. Or the most common one, I, I, I think, is Latter-day Saints, is that they would change from talking to the ch- about the church, talking about members of the church, right? They would go to, you know, Latter-day Saints spokesperson uh, is, is a phrase that I, I saw a lot. And I know that also doesn't follow the church's exact style guide because it's now used as an adjective in a way they didn't want. But I think that's what people who are trying to be respectful have gone to as a way to write around the problem. I compared it to... Um, I compared it to the um, um, to the first person they, the gender neutral they, uh, that uh, that of course so many editors now. It's like, well, there's this huge debate. You know, I'm just going to write around it. I'm not going to write there. I'm not going to write his or her. I'm just going to find a new way to write this whole sentence. And I think you're seeing journalists do that a lot um, and approaching that. Yeah, I think part of the problem is there is no adequate shortened form that works for as an adjective or a noun and the church has not come up with a good one either i think most most media would probably go with it if there had if there were one yeah we've greatly adjusted our style before for Peggy, sorry for one second. Uh, Actually, even though some of our readers don't believe it, um, we've actually greatly adjusted our style um, to uh, pretty much be aligned with AP. Uh, And and we certainly do allow for the exceptions that the church does too, for like historical or proper nouns and Book of Mormon, Mormon Trail, Mormon Pioneers, things like that. Um, But we've kind of gone to Latter-day Saint as an adjective also. Uh, uh, Not uh, always, though. Not always, but but we've kind of used that, uh, although we try to just kind of write around that now. So, you know, and this is, of course, separate from the the study. You know, I'm sort of in this position talking about the study, but then also kind of making some of these same decisions. And so I hope I hope the study and the state of data kind of stands for itself. uh, But. But as we're making these decisions, we felt really comfortable with the Church of Jesus Christ as a shortened version. And and the reason we've gone with that um, is if you were to Google it right now, do a neutral Google search, you know, go incognito so it's not using your past search history. And um, right now, eight of the 10 results are all for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There already seems to be a transition uh, to to that shortening being associated with the church. And of course, like you mentioned, there are a lot of uh, other faiths that use that, like uh, like the disciples of Christ. They use the church of Jesus Christ, but largely in their liturgical language, right? When they're having a, a marriage or something, they don't often use that as sort of a name that they present themselves to the public. It, for them, it's disciples of Christ. And we found the same pattern with the churches of God and Christ or the United Church of Christ. The only group we've really seen that consistently uses the Church of Jesus Christ as sort of their outward-facing name 
has been the uh, the bigger tonight uh, branch of the church. And I have to imagine this has been very frustrating for them uh, in terms of sort of feeling like here is a, a name and a, a brand that they've been associated with historically. And now here's this group that's, you know, 1000 times larger than them. Um, uh, that might not even be the right uh, exponential that's so much bigger. And now is trying to move in to, to the, the space. So I'm sure that is. But I think when you've used it with that full name in the first reference, I think those sort of in, that kind of confusion that you want to avoid, it can be can be reduced. And of course, I really feel bad for the editor who needs to write an article about uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the Church of Jesus Christ, the Bickertonite branch, because I don't know how you'd manage that. And good luck to the person who tries. <laughs> but that's why we've been, that's why I think we've been able to feel like we can justify using the Church of Jesus Christ as a sort of version internally. But like I said, the factors weighing on us based on our audience, based on our purpose, they're going to be very different than the factors weighing on the editors of the New York Times and, and even very different from the factors weighing on, on you and Peggy as you're trying to make these decisions. So um, hopefully the research we did can maybe provide some light and, and one more factor in helping you make that decision. But I don't know that we're in any position to be like, this is the right way to do it or not. Interesting. You would bring up the disciples of Christ. You know that they still have to have like Christian church in parenthesis always. I do. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, if you only use the full name of the church, you kind of have to say formerly known as Mormons or something like that, because there's such a widespread association with that term. And this is something that I have noticed, uh, not even doing the study, but just in reading news about the church that seems to have been widely adopted, uh, you know, in the last two years, this seems to be becoming much more common. Uh, and I think we're probably going to see that as the default. Of course, the Associated Press suggests that that's uh, acceptable as well. So I think that's how a lot of people are, are defaulting to in order to try and serve both groups uh, in terms of making sure that they have the understanding as well as uh, making sure that they are respecting, you know, the wishes of the church and how it's addressed. Uh, and I think, I think doing that, then, you know, if the church is successful in, in sort of having people think about it with this new name, I think eventually that might drop off, but that's probably a pretty long-term project. So do you see members themselves uh, do you think members themselves have stopped using the terms the term Mormon and Mormonism? That's a great question, and it's not something that we studied at all. Um, and and uh, I was I was thinking about what might come up in our interview, and that's one of the questions I thought you might ask. And I thought oh, that's such a great question. I wish I had anything to say about that. Uh, that would be a fantastic thing in a further study. Maybe look at kind of blogger knackle articles and look at that differently and say, is the way the national press referring to us different than the way blogger knackle uh, authors are referring to us? And I think that would be really fascinating to look at. Uh, I, I think I feel like that we, this has kind of created a little bit of a divide. That's a sort of my gut instinct that we've sort of gotten people having uh, two positions, the, the cultural hall podcast, um, which of course is one of these um, blogger knackle sites. They, uh, tweeted about our study last week on Twitter, and they were very critical uh, about some of the implications they saw about the study uh, and feeling kind of defending the use of the term Mormon. Uh, and so, and, you know, and that's something internal that's from other members of the church. And so 
certainly this is not something that that the church is kind of unified on and that's obviously going to affect the the national coverage even someone who's trying to be very fair to latter-day saints is going to look at how latter-day saints are using it and see someone like the cultural hall podcast and be like oh you know these latter-day saints are continuing to refer to themselves as mormons and so maybe we should too um and I, like I said, I, I don't work in a newsroom, uh, and so I don't know if that's a good call or not. Uh, but it's certainly something I would imagine that they would weigh in as they're, you know, as they're having to make that decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we don't have any data. It's a great question, uh, and maybe it'll it'll it's inspire. It's pretty clear that not round. not all groups have changed their names. Just yeah, even even groups that are still very closely associated with the church, like uh, LDS Living. Um, still is using the, you know, the LDS and uh, how is that decision being made? Uh, and why is it being made? I, I don't know. Um, and so, yeah. So Just today I did a story about Mormon women for ethical government. And I listened to your podcast last week with them and, as well. And uh, there's a Mormon history association, Mormon studies programs, fair Mormon, fair yeah. Mormon. These, it, yeah. I don't think as long as those still exist the term mormon is ever is not going to be gone well and academia too um you know uh, mormon studies uh because many of them of course say that they're studying things beyond just the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints they're studying lots of different faiths that sprung from joseph smith for instance Uh, and i think especially with groups like the mormon history association or mormon studies departments using mormon as sort of a blanket term for both uh both the church i belong to as well as lots of similar churches you know Mm -hmm. i like i said this is not a question i'm having to ask but it certainly seems justifiable at first glance to me if you're trying to use it as a as a blanket term yeah So one of the reasons President Nelson gave for wanting to go with the full name of the church and and kind of getting rid of the term Mormon was so that people would know that Mormons, Latter-day Saints, believe in Jesus Christ. The church does. The people do. Do you think that from your study, do you think that using the full name of the church has helped some of those groups see the church as more Christian than they did before? You know, in the late 90s, there was a a great deal of research on new religious movements. Uh, And they were looking at how, uh, you know, one of the branch of studies was looking at how journalists talked about these new religious movements or cults. And uh, what they found is that they tended to refer to these groups using terms that made them sound deceptive or insular or oppressive, uh, which is was very similar to the way that we had defined negative coverage of the church. Uh, and then um, there was a, uh, a study that was done sort of near the end of this period uh, by James Richardson and Baron Van Driel. Uh, and they reached out to journalists to see, okay, what is their feelings about these new religious movements? Uh, and their study was limited because a lot of journalists sort of have ideological objections to responding to questions like this. But of the ones that did respond, what they found is that there was overwhelming negative sentiment towards these groups that were then getting covered 
with names like, you know, with ideas about how insular they were or how repressive they were. And so I thought that was interesting in looking at our study that when the word Mormon was used, that so often it was associated with these same kind of concepts that were at least in the 90s associated with new religious movements. Uh, whereas when the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was being used, we found that kind of coverage less. And so to circle all the way back to your question, maybe so, maybe it is working. Maybe as, I mean, like I said, of the neutral or positive coverage, over half is already using the, the full name of the church and the style guide. And so maybe that those sort of negative sentiments aren't coming out when that word is being used, whereas these sort of associations with cults, perhaps as part of the cultural baggage of the word Mormon, and that unknowingly journalists, when they use that, are more likely to see stories about the church in those in those terms. So it's um, that doesn't get exactly to belief in Jesus Christ, but in terms of um, in terms of validity of, of the faith, uh, in terms of seeming more mainline, maybe it is. Maybe it's accomplishing its its goal. Um, that would to answer that question directly. I think we'd have to sort of arrange the study a little bit, uh, a little bit differently than what we did. But, but I certainly thought that was interesting within the context of, of some of the studies of the new religious movements. So, okay, what's what's in the future for Public Square Research? Well, uh, we uh, we're excited right now. We've got uh, Latter Day Saints for uh, Biden and Latter Day Saints for Trump are both writing uh, op ed editorials for us leading up to this election. We're very curious to see how their faith is informing their voting decisions. Uh, we are uh, really, you, you mentioned Mormon women for ethical government and wanting to sort of end some of this divisiveness. And I feel like we have very similar uh, goals among our group. And so we're really hoping, we're really trying to pull everyone together at a time where it seems like forces are pulling us apart. Um, you know, it feels like with Arizona and Nevada all of a sudden in play, that both have such large uh, Latter-day Saint populations. It feels like we're being attacked politically in a way that I don't remember in my lifetime. Uh, and it feels divisive. I feel like when I'm on my social media feeds, when I'm standing in the parking lot uh, after sacrament meetings, that there's a divisiveness that hasn't been there. And so I hope what we can do over the next six weeks is do our level best at uh, promoting unity and fighting this divisiveness. Uh, and so I think that's what's next for the magazine. What's next for the study, uh, kind of the study portion, like I said, there's a lot of people a lot smarter than me who are interested in, uh, in, in kind of following up with that. And so, uh, so with some of this, some of this attention we've gotten, we've gotten some, uh, really curious people. So I'm hoping to sit down with them in the next few weeks and ask exactly that question. How do we want to design this next study? What are things that uh, that we left out this time, like looking at the blogger knuckle? Or I think we'd be really curious. We covered the national media. But what if we covered who's covering the church the most? You know, what are the outlets that are covering the church the most? So we'd probably be analyzing you guys, Deseret News or Daily Beast, uh, some of these guys. I don't know what decisions we'll make there, but uh, but I think with the kind of the, the quality of people who are interested, hopefully they come up with some really good answers to that. And we'll have some, uh, some interesting things to talk about, hopefully here in about a year or so. Well, Christopher Cunningham, we'll be watching and reading, okay? 
David, Peggy, uh, it was just such a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, I, I don't know if I said this before we started or after, but I just, I, I admire all your work. David, congratulations on the new gig. All the, all the best with the, with the transition that, uh, that you guys are having. And, uh, uh, I hope that we can uh, can stay in touch. I just really appreciate yeah. your time. I, I, I can't wait to be relieved of the new gig and go back to my former gig. So. I'm sure you are. <laughs> Being a managing editor myself, yes. being thrust into that position sounds like a nightmare. But uh, uh, th- Thanks for joining us today and stay safe, okay? Of course. Uh, at, can I just plug before I go? I, I don't uh, know how much you're okay with that. But if people are interested, our website's publicsquaremag.org or you can find us uh, on Facebook or on Twitter at, at Public Square Mag. Uh, that's the best way to find us and keep in, uh, keep in contact with the work we're doing. Thank you. David. That's great. And thanks to Peggy Fletcher Stack. Always a pleasure. And to our producer, Chris Samuels, we remind our listeners that they can keep up on all the happenings in and about the church by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter. Just go to sltrib.com and sign up. And we'll talk again next time on what we think is still going to be called Mormon land. (laughs) 